born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. Okay, take your Bible and turn to the book of 1 Peter. The book of 1 Peter. We've been going through the book of 1 Peter. And we're not going to get too far today. But I want you to see this in 1 Peter in chapter 5. Now, in the previous chapter, we had just talked about the righteous being scarcely saved. It means through much difficulty. In other words, you'd be surprised what went through the lives of a lot of people in order to reach you. When I consider the people that I led to the Lord, like, for example, in Colorado, my wife and I, not having much of anything, going into Indian camps, not having a job, no means of support, and we went to Arizona, Oklahoma first, and then Arizona, worked with the Indians. And then we went all the way up into Iowa, in Minnesota, South Dakota, come down into Colorado and trying to find a place and all the things that we went through with such difficulty to get somebody to trust the Lord. Or getting kids on a bus and driving for 2,100 miles to take kids to a camp so they could trust Christ as Savior. Hear Dr. Stanford tell the Jim Tenjin story. But you go through all of those things just to get a person saved. Or a missionary that goes into deputation for four or five years trying to raise up money after they've already been to Bible college just to get to the field so they can prepare to learn a language. And then you, all these years, and then they finally get to maybe translate the scriptures into their language, and then they got to try to win them to the Lord and so much, and then get somebody to trust the Lord. Look what gone through. It's a difficulty. And yet at the same time, many people just take it for granted. And they don't want to do anything because, well, it's work. That's what the work of the Lord is. W-O-R-K, work. So notice what else. So he comes to chapter 5 and he's talking about the elders. The elders in verse 1, which are among you, I exhort, who am also an elder. And we're talking about those that God puts in a place of leadership. And you're talking about what kind of a person should they be? So he says here, and I was a I'm an elder. I was a witness of the sufferings of Christ. In other words, he said, I, I was there. I saw what happened to Jesus Christ. I was a witness of his suffering. He sure was. Uh, he was even at the, the fireside warming himself when Jesus was probably freezing half the night with very little clothes on, if any. 
And he denied the Lord three times. He was there. And he saw everything that happened to him. They, he saw him crucify him. And he also said, and a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Remember on the Mount of Transfiguration, Matthew chapter 17, he talks about, he, he was there when Jesus was transformed in front of him and became glowing white, whiter than the noonday sun. And all of a sudden there's Moses and Elijah, the Yankee. Oh, you didn't see him? No. Well, maybe he wasn't there. But anyway, Peter was there and he saw him in his glory. The way he's going to be in the kingdom when he rules. So he got to see that. So he saw him at his best and he saw him at his worst. He saw him suffering and he saw him the glory. And he tells us this. That the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed. Whatever we go through in this life, regardless of how bad it will be, is nothing compared to what we're going to be. So we're supposed to, because of the example of Christ, serve the Lord now, even unto death, be found faithful. And even if we die, be faithful to the Lord. And God says that he is going to give you praise, honor, and glory when he returns. So we are supposed to believe that. So therefore, because we believe that, we should never fear death. We should not be afraid to die. Because we're looking forward. Now, if you've been running from the Lord all these years, you may not want to see him too soon. You know, if you've been playing hooky, you know, kind of going your own way, doing your own thing, maybe you don't really want to see the Lord. Maybe you don't really want the Lord to come back right now. But most people who love the Lord and serve the Lord... As time goes on, see, and you start losing some of your loved ones and they get to heaven. Well, after a while, see, you, you, you might have more treasure on the other side than you have on this side. Betty's done lost all of her family, her mother, her dad, her brother. They're, they're all in heaven. She don't have any personal you know, relatives down here. Except me, you know, a kid. But I mean, talk about her family. They're all on the other side. So heaven becomes more precious to you the longer we live because of where our loved ones are. One day we're going to see them. So we're not afraid or ashamed. We're, we're looking forward to that. But he says, I was there. I saw it. And maybe this is why the apostles were able to do what they did because they really believed it was all worth it. Look what he says here. In verse 2, he says, fleece the flock of God. Is that what your Bible says? Feed the flock. Now, that means that we're supposed to be able to teach the word where you can be fed. And you should put the food down on the bottom shelf. It says, feed my sheep, not my giraffes. No, you don't put it up here. Put it down low where everybody can understand it. Even though I've been to Bible college, and I know a few Greek words. Very few. I took Greek. <laughs> but me and Greek didn't get along. And don't think that knowing Greek is the key to understanding the Bible. They had Greeks back then and they didn't understand it. And they had people who spoke Hebrew and were Hebrew and they didn't understand it. So that's not the key to understanding the Bible. It's already been translated for us. All we got to do is believe the English. If I believe that, I got enough to understand. It's enough right here. 
So as we study the Word of God, we're supposed to feed the people. Uh, take your Bible and hold it right here, but look there in Jeremiah 3.15. Back in the Old Testament, Jeremiah chapter 3. Jeremiah 3. Now look in verse 15. You wouldn't think this is uh, in the Old Testament, but it's right there. They had pastors back then. See there in verse 15, And I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall, and you ought on the line, feed you with what? Knowledge and understanding. So when the Bible talks about us feeding the flock, it's talking about us giving you knowledge and understanding, helping you to understand the Scriptures. That's our main goal. Teach you what God said and try to use whatever illustrations we can to help you to understand what we told you. So illustrations are like windows that let light into a dark room. And so you're trying to always figure out ways to help a person to understand some of these things. So look there in Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah 23, since you're right here in Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 23. 23, and look there in verse 4. In verse 4 it says, And I will set up shepherds over them which shall feed them. They shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, neither shall they be lacking, saith the Lord. Then he kind of compares us to a, a righteous branch. The Lord himself, the chief shepherd. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. Anybody got a clue who that might be? That's the Lord. This is almost 600 years before Christ came. And get this, in his days Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. This is his name whereby he shall be called the Lord our righteousness, Jehovah Tiskanu. The Lord our righteousness. So Jesus Christ is the good shepherd. He is the great shepherd. And so he is coming. And he sent shepherds to the nation of Israel, but they didn't always do the thing that they should, and they became bad shepherds. And so they did not feed the flock of God the way they should. So uh, while we're right here, look at Ezekiel 34. Ezekiel in chapter 34. I think I can find the right one here. Uh, look what he says here in Ezekiel 34. And uh, just look there, starting in verse 2. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. So God had a problem with some of the shepherds because the shepherds, really didn't care about the sheep. And we have cases like that today where preachers do not really care about the people. They won't tell them the truth. They tell them what they want to hear. Now, wouldn't it be a shame for you to come to church and you, the preacher only told you what you really wanted to hear? Never said anything to ruffle your feathers. Didn't make you mad about something. Don't you think a preacher should get on your toes once in a while? Irritate you a little bit? Make you study the scriptures to find out what he said. Was that true? And so you got a Bible. So you remember that whenever I preached this morning, okay? 
No, you will. Verse uh, 2 says, Thus saith the Lord God unto the shepherds, Woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves. Shall not the shepherds feed the flocks? Now we have shepherds today that all they want to do is fleece the flock. Get everything they can from them and give them nothing back. So he says here, Ye eat the fat and ye clothe you with the wool. Ye kill them that are fed, but ye feed not the flock. Then in verse 4, The diseased have ye not strengthened, neither have ye healed that which was sick, neither have ye bound up that which was broken, neither have ye brought again that which was driven away, neither have ye sought that which was lost. But with force and with cruelty have ye ruled them, and they were scattered, because there is no shepherd. Now this is a quote right here into the book of Matthew in chapter 9 when it says, uh, smite the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. He said, this is what you, you scattered my sheep, my flock. Talking about the children of Israel. Because of the leaders they had in Israel, they went astray. And because they went astray, they were scattered upon the face of the earth. Remember when Christ came, the leaders of that day, the shepherds, led the people wrong. Lied to the people, deceived the people. And because of that, they rejected Jesus Christ as their Savior. And so, look there what he says in verse 6. My sheep wandered through all the mountains, and upon every high hill, yea, my flock was scattered upon all the face of the earth, and none did search or seek after them. Therefore, ye shepherds, hear ye the word of the Lord, and God's going to deal with them. Look what he says down in verse 11. But as far as the future goes, Israel will be once again restored. For thus saith the Lord God, behold, I, even I, will both search my sheep and seek them out. In other words, there's a day coming when God's going to take and send out his sheep, his shepherds. And it could be that 144,000 in the tribulation period, and they're going to bring them together. And when Christ comes back at the end of the tribulation period, and they will see the one that was pierced in his hands and his feet. And they say, well, where did you get those scars in your hand? He says, when I came the first time to the house of my friends. That's what he got from his friends. But he's coming back. And Israel shall be saved in a day when they see the Lord and they'll understand and they'll believe and trust him as their Messiah. And he says in verse 12, as a shepherd seeketh out his flock in the day that he is among his sheep that are scattered. So will I seek out my sheep and will deliver them out of all places where they have been scattered in the cloudy and dark day. And I will bring them out from the people and I'm going to gather them back together. In verse 14, I will feed them in a good pasture. Uh, this is when he's going to take and start into the kingdom right after the tribulation period. And verse 15, I will feed my flock and I will cause them to lie down in good pastures, I will lead them to waters. And then he says in verse 8, And I will seek that which was lost. Remember when Christ came into the world? He says, I did not come to be ministered unto, but to minister. I came to seek and to save that which was lost. He's the shepherd. That's why when Christ came, he was like a shepherd looking for his sheep. And he says, I have sheep that you don't know about. He said, I've got another flock. I believe that's a reference to us, but that's okay. Now, 
I want you to see there in verse 23. He says, and I will set up one shepherd over them, and he shall feed them, even my servant David. So this is why we believe that David, during the millennium, is going to be ruling and reigning in Jerusalem. And he's going to have both the Jews and the Israelites, and they will be one nation, all 12 tribes. There will be nobody lost. They'll all be there. And verse 24, And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David, a prince among them. And there will be a covenant of peace in verse 25. Down in the last part of verse 26, and you ought to underline it, there shall be showers of blessing. You ever heard of a song called that? There shall be showers of blessing. Now look what he says in verse 31. You ought to underline verse 31. And ye are my flock. The flock of my pasture are men. So you know what he's talking about. He's not talking about real sheep. He's talking about people. And I am your God, saith the Lord God. Now, go back there to the book of 1 Peter chapter 5. So we know that as an elder, we're supposed to feed the flock of God. This is one thing that I believe that the leadership here at Calvary Community Church, you didn't want somebody that just knows how to do the hand gestures, make the gospel clear. Because once you've trusted Christ as Savior, you need more than just the gospel. You're supposed to know the Word of God. And the Bible says you're supposed to teach the whole counsel of the Word of God. And so this is why, you know, trying to find somebody that knows the Bible is not always an easy thing to do. I pray that they believe that I know a little bit about the Bible, and I want to try to teach you different things in the Bible to help you grow. I want to feed you. I want you to be a strong flock, a healthy flock. I want you to know what the Word of God says so that you can defend your faith. But the only way you can really defend your faith is to give it away. I'll repeat that. The only way you can defend your faith is you have to learn how to give it away. You see, part of our faith is sharing it with others. True? So you've got to give it. So to be strong in the Lord, we've got to share. So what you're trying to do is get people strong so that they can give not only the knowledge, but the understanding also. Not only just tell somebody what the Bible says, but cause them to understand, like we studied last week in the book of Nehemiah, when he had everybody stand, and also Ezra. And it says he caused them to understand as they read the scriptures. So he says here in verse 2, Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint. Well, I have to do this. It should be because you want to do it. A preacher should want to preach the word of God. A preacher should want to do the things that he's supposed to do. Not because he has to do them, but because he wants to do them. Shouldn't the people of God want to be fed? They should want to be fed. They should want to know the Bible. Sometimes you have to try to force feed a kid. They won't open. I'm trying to get it in there. And then you want to let the kid get up unless he eats all those the greens on his plate. You remember, you didn't like them either. But you know they're good for him. 
And you got to eat those greens. Well, I want the dessert. Eat the greens. Because you're supposed to know what they need. So I try to figure out, what do you need? So I teach a lot of different things. Sometimes it's scattershot. You know, like with a shotgun, you don't never have any clue who you're going to hit. Just a scattershot. Now, sometimes I like to hone in on it, and I got one bullet, and it's just for you. It's coming at you. But sometimes, you know, you just want to feed God's people. And whenever they leave and preach, I enjoyed that today. I said, what did I speak on? I don't know, but it was really good. (laughs) Have you ever sat here and said, boy, that's just what they needed. That's just what they needed. Well, I'm glad he's not getting me today. Well, you are to learn it so that you can share it. So that you make an impact in society. It's so important. He says, but willing, not of constraint, but willingly. Not for filthy lucre, not not for money. Not what you can get because you want to give. But of a ready mind. Neither as being dictators over God's heritage. In other words, I am the dictator here. Oh, it's a hard podium. You're not to be a mean, ugly dictator. Ruling with a rod of iron. That's, that's the Lord. You know what I'm supposed to do? I'm supposed to try to win you. You know, like the boyfriend that after the girl, he put, he tried to woo her. So woo? No, that's a word. Woo. So we try to woo one another. Win one another. Use the word of God to convince, to persuade. So that you do what you do, not because, well, the pastor, because the word said so. And this is what God wants me to do. So whether the preacher is me or somebody else or somebody else, it's not the man up here. It's the, it's the word of God in here. And you're supposed to know it and understand it and believe it. Because that's part of the preacher's job to help you to understand what the word of God says. And get what he says in verse three. Neither as being lords or ex- Bosses over God's heritage, but being in your on the line is examples to the flock. We're supposed to teach you how to live by the way we live. So that's why, yes, I have to watch my music, don't I? Because I might, if I did something wrong with music, then you, you just liable to go haywire. Well, that's what the pastor does. That's why there's some places that I don't go, because you might use me an example and do it. And that's why a certain language that I, I don't do, because you might use me as an example. Whatever you do in moderation, others will do in excess. If you want the choir to reach here, then you're going to have to shoot for there to get them to come up to this level. You've got to teach more because nobody ever comes up to your full expectations of anything. On the average, anyway. So he says in verse 4, And when the chief shepherd... Who's the chief shepherd? Jesus Christ. When the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. If it fades not away, that means it would last for how long? Then it lasts forever. If it fades not away. So you and I are supposed to serve the Lord until the chief shepherd appears... And he's going to give you a crown. 
a crown of glory that will not fade away. That's because down here, see, you humbled yourself under the mighty hand of God because you believe that in due time, God will highly exalt you. He says, if you try to exalt yourself, God's going to pull you down. But if you'll humble yourself, God will exalt you. And so while you're here in this life, you submit yourself to the will of God. And when it's all over with, God's going to exalt you. And you'll be glad. And it'll be worth it all. Look up here. thought I'd just throw this in here for this morning. Y'all never seen this before. It's a completely new illustration. This hand represents you and me. The Bible says that um, we all have sin on us. It means that we all do things wrong. And to pay for this is death and hell. So God says that since we've all sinned, we're all condemned. That's why everybody dies. We're all sinners. No one's any better than anybody else. We're all sinners. Now, to go to heaven, we have to be perfect, as righteous as God. Now, there's a problem. If you've got to be perfect to go to heaven, and we're all sinners, then evidently... So God says, because you sin, you can't get in. So what can I do about this? So many people say, well, if I just stop my sinning. Well, good luck. You can't stop. It's a sinful nature you have. It's on the inside of you. It is sin to even think that you could live without sinning. Boy, that was a wise statement. You know that? That ought to be wrote down. And <laughs> I told you, every once in a while, it'll just come right out of there, you know. And there's no extra charge for some of this stuff. That's, uh... But now look, God says you don't save yourself. You can't save yourself by the good deeds that you do. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord. God in the flesh came into the world because he loves us, hates our sin, because it separates us from him. So Christ took the sin, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead. Said if we'll believe that he did it for us, he'd put that payment to our account and we get to go to heaven on what Jesus Christ did for us. That's a gift. That's free. No tricks to that. Best news in all the world. Let's pray, shall we? With head bowed and eyes closed and no one looking around, if you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, maybe you heard about it all your life, but you never trusted Him. You need to. It's your only hope of going to heaven. If you reject Jesus Christ as your Savior, remember, no decision is a decision. And not to trust the Lord could seal your fate for all eternity in a place called hell. You don't know when you're going to die. No man does. But why not right now? Just between you and the Lord, say something simple like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I believe Christ died and paid for my sins. And I'm going to trust him. And him alone is the only one to give me a free gift of eternal life. Friend, he died on that cross, paid for your sins, came back from the dead and said, if you'll believe it, he'd save you. Would you believe it? Would you trust him? With head bowed and eyes closed and no one looking around. If you're trusting Christ as your Savior this morning, you've never done it before. Today's the first time. You only have to do it once. God loves you, and I'd like to have prayer for you. I'd like to know if what I said made sense to you. So I'm asking you with head bowed and eyes closed and no one looking, would you trust Christ as your Savior? And if you will, would you let me know by just slipping in up real quickly and putting it right back down? 
Him at all. Just slip it up real quick, put it right back down. If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, you're God's child. That's why you want to find a church where the pastor can feed the flock. Father, we thank you so much for all you've done for us, for the privilege we have of knowing you, to walk with you, to serve you. Bless our service today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Have you ever heard that faith without works is dead? Or have you ever read James chapter 2? Does your faith produce good works? Some teach that if you don't serve the Lord, you're not saved. Is that true or false? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book, or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.